It's great to be together this morning. If you have a Bible with you, would you like to turn to the book of Galatians in the New Testament? We're going to be looking at a passage in Galatians chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can look on the screen and you'll see the scripture references there that we, uh, that we look at. Or you can look over someone else's shoulder. I'm reading from the slightly old NIV, so that might not even be the same as the NIV on the screen. Absolutely, but uh, it will still do us well. Galatians chapter 5, and reading from verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. On occasion this year, um, we've, we've looked at different texts, different passages uh, in, the, in the New Testament, actually in the Old as well, uh, from time to time to consider what life in the Spirit is and uh, what that means for us. We're, we're looking at that here again uh, today. That's what introduces this passage that we've just looked at. So I say, live by the Spirit, uh, Paul, Paul says. Sometimes that may be in your translation, walk by the Spirit. Uh, putting one step in front of the other, one foot in front of the other, uh, that image of walking is just to really demonstrate, well, all of life is involved. A, a, a whole life that is influenced and led by um, the, Holy, uh, the Holy Spirit. We're then encouraged at the end, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with uh, the Spirit. Uh, and this is not just something for a few select Christians. Sometimes we can come across phrases like that and think, that perhaps one day there'll be just a few believers and maybe they will live by the Spirit or maybe they'll live by faith. We can kind of narrow it down and think that it just applies to a select few who've got like more badges than the rest of us. No, this is the Christian life. The Christian life is uh, walking and living by the Spirit. Sometimes we can ask ourselves the question when we're considering the, the activity and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we can think... Do I have the Spirit? Well, if you're believing in Jesus, the answer is yes. And there's more. We're, we're encouraged, aren't we, in, in Ephesians to, to go on then being filled with the Spirit. We might sometimes ask that question. Do I have the Spirit? Have I received the Spirit? Uh, perhaps a, another and very helpful question to ask ourselves is also this. Does the Spirit have me? Does the Spirit have all of me? Is all of my life yielded to the influence of the Holy Spirit? 
Would the Holy Spirit say that he has Dan Mayton or, or, or something else? I was reading a book a while ago by uh, Francis Chan, available at all good bookshops. Um, well, he says in his book, uh, uh, looking at the Holy Spirit, he says, I don't want my life to be explainable without the Holy Spirit. His whole life, I don't want my life just to be explainable, I suppose by which he means by just human effort, by what's humanly possible. I want my life to only be explainable with reference to the Holy Spirit. Or we're considering what the Holy Spirit uh, wants to do uh, in our lives. 150 years ago, a man called Robert Murray McShane coined this prayer. He says, Lord, make me as holy as it is possible for a saved sinner to be. Now, it, contained within that prayer was the recognition that in this life, he was never going to reach perfection. And that's true of you and me. In this life, will not reach perfection in terms of holiness, but his prayer was, make me as holy as it is possible for a saved sinner to be. So what is God, what's God's desire for us? God's desire for us is that by walking with the Spirit, living by the Spirit, we grow in holiness. See, in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 15, see what the Apostle Uh, Peter writes there, he says, Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. What is God looking for? Why has he saved us? He saved us to make us like himself, holy. God is holy, we are to grow in Holiness, And so what's the, what's the desire of the Holy Spirit? What's a significant part of his ministry and activity in our lives and amongst us? Clues in the name, he is the Holy Spirit. He wants to make us holy. He will distribute gifts. He will empower us uh, to share our faith. He will bring us great assurance of, his wonderful, uh, of God's wonderful love. And he desires to make us more and more holy. Notice that's what it is, holiness. It means, uh, well, we see in, 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 in heaven, angels are beholding God and they're praising him, saying, holy, holy, holy. Even, even angels who are without sin themselves see a holy God and they are kind of ruined by it. There's a, it's more than a wow. They are uh, just overwhelmed, overcome by the fact that God in his perfection was different and above and higher than them. And we're encouraged here, be, be holy. Notice that it's not that God says, be all-powerful because I am all-powerful. Be omnipresent because I'm present everywhere. We're not called to uh, just be like God in absolutely every single regard. We're not called to be in more than one place at a time. We're called to be in a body, living for Jesus, for his glory, empowered by him, and becoming more like him in character, a holy character. This was uh, Paul's desire and passion too. He writes to the Galatians earlier on, chapter 4, and uh, verse 19, 
He says, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. How I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I'm perplexed about you. He's, he's perplexed because a whole group of churches are, are wandering away from the gospel. They've been infiltrated by some false teachers and they're, they're kind of gobbling up a teaching that's unhelpful. And therefore, rather than become more like Jesus, they're actually becoming less like him. So just around the passage that we, we looked at, um, he says there in, in verse, you know, verse 15, or verse 14, look, the, the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by, by each other. Rather than becoming more like Jesus, they're becoming less like Jesus. I don't think that they were literally biting. Uh, I think maybe that just describes the way in which they're relating to each other. That gentleness has gone, and now their manner of talking is, is more better described by biting and devouring. He returns to that in verse 26 and says, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. They've become less and less like Jesus, and that's why Paul is at pains to write this letter. He, he describes himself as being in the pains of childbirth until what? Until Christ is formed in you. Want you to become more like Jesus. He wishes he could change his tone. He's perplexed. How could they wander off like this? But that's why he's, he's writing. They might be more like Jesus by walking by the Spirit. That's God's desire for us as well. The Holy Spirit may lead us into new responsibility, new activity. Uh, he, he may open up new opportunities to serve God out there in the world, in your workplace, or, or serving the community in some other way, or just by what you do in the life of the church, and, and so on. Serving, active, in other words. But sometimes we can just focus on life out there. And we can think, rather than the, the Spirit being the Holy Spirit making us more holy, we're thinking of him as the busy spirit. The agenda of the Holy Spirit is just to make us more busy and, and to enable us to do more, do more, do more. Um, we're on a treadmill trying to live up to some expectation of how much we should be doing for God. Well, God, God will lead us into serving him. Uh, and maybe you'll be called to do something and serve God in a way you haven't done before. And you know it's stretching, it's like stepping out of the boat How's this going to go? I'm going into a new season of life. There's completely new responsibilities come my way. How am I going to handle it? I'm going to walk. I'm going to ask for God's help. God's, of course, interested in, in life out there. The Holy Spirit is also very interested in life in here. Not just what's going on on the outside, not just what I'm doing on the outside, but what's going on on the inside. And, and is this life more yielded to the Holy Spirit than it was before? Am I walking with the Spirit in every area of life, in every corner of my heart? Am I giving way to the Holy Spirit? That's the question I think this uh, leads us to. What does living by the Spirit then involve? What does walking by the Spirit involve for us? Well, firstly, 
it does involve some conflict. Not conflict between people like the biting and devouring that was happening in these Galatian churches as they argued amongst themselves. Not that kind of conflict, but Paul goes on to say, look, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. He then goes on to explain, for uh, the sinful nature, in translation you might be reading in, it might say the flesh, the sinful nature or the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature they are in conflict with each other that describes life now we're a people of the spirit but we still live in a time in an era uh, when the when the flesh is at work our own flesh uh, which desires things that are contrary to the spirit we can sometimes feel pulled in different directions uh, Peter writes Again, in, uh, in 1 Peter, putting it in, in slightly different terms. In 1 Peter uh, chapter 2 and verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. So in this life, living in this world as aliens and strangers, because well, our citizenship is in heaven, we actually belong in heaven, that's where we're destined to be, but right now we're in the world, we're to abstain from sinful desires, which war against your soul. There is, there's a battle going on, there's a conflict. Right now, God's people, we, we as God's people, are called to live as aliens and strangers in the world. As a, imagine, we're, we're called like a ship. We're called to, to navigate the oceans of the world. It's no bad thing for the ship to be in the water. But Paul, uh, Peter's saying there that the problem comes when the water gets into the ship and the ship starts to sink. So no abstain from sinful desires he wouldn't need to say that if there were no conflict at all he wouldn't need to say that if life in the spirit meant no temptation no trials no hardship nothing that might possibly tempt us astray no he's saying because we're still living in the world in the body we have to receive an instruction abstain do away with there's a war going on and we need to be prepared to fight it. Sometimes we can just be discouraged because we're aware of the conflict. Oh, actually, I, I want to please God, but sometimes I want to displease God, actually, if I'm honest. And just aware of that conflict, we can be discouraged. Well, no, that's not unusual. It's not unusual to experience that in some way. We're now living in this in-between-the-ages time. We're a people of the Spirit. We still know the desires of the flesh to an extent. You know, before we were a people of the Spirit, and before we were saved, actually there was no tension, there was no conflict, which did what we wanted to. Actually, in glory, in heaven, when we're given a new body, when we're no longer living life in this world, when we're face to face with Jesus and we're transformed into his likeness, There'll be no tension then either. 
we'll always be doing what we want, and what we want is to please God. In between, we experience both. Now we could then think, oh, right, well, that explains it. That explains why the Christian life is just an exercise in kind of just feeling defeated all the time. I want to do this, but I don't do it. I don't want to do that, but I end up doing it. We feel uh, conflicted. Uh, Well, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Let's not go down a path that says, oh, well, it's inevitable then, isn't it? I'm just going to, I'm always going to give in to sin. I'm always going to be controlled by the flesh rather than by the Holy Spirit. No. If the Spirit of God is in you, something profound is happening. When I was nine, I had my birthday in December, just at the end of term, and I can't even remember where we went. We went out. On the way back, we went past my school, primary school, which was just at the end of our street. It wasn't far away. It was like a two-minute walk from the house. And we came home in the dark, it was December, and, um, and the school hall was on fire properly ablaze so we had to go on some massive detour to get back round to go to our house so when term restarted the school hall was absolutely gutted completely it was a tin shed really it was a bit anyway it was nothing to do with me uh, um, but it, it kind of did affect things pretty drastically um, you know, there's a playground there's a big hall there's a few classrooms and a, kind of one admin office what were they going to do? The school had to continue. They had to work out a way of the school continuing whilst in taking part in a, in a rebuilding program. There was on-site reconstruction. We, over a course of many months, we had a new school hall built. We had like a temporary one that was just landed on a patch of grass in a corner, which if we really squeezed up into, we could get into. But the whole site needed redeveloping but they didn't have loads of time to do it before term started. So it happened at the same time. So if you like, the normal life of the school was happening whilst the site was being rebuilt, reconstructed, redeveloped. And that's what's going on in the life of every believer. Ordinary life is happening. And there's need over here to, to rebuild part of the site. And the Holy Spirit is the site manager. He's got all the plans. He's got the blueprints. He knows what he's doing. He knows the timeline. He knows what's going to happen when. He knows when different things... From our experience, we could just see, hear some crashing and banging. And, and school life was, was really inconvenient for a while. Like I said, we had to kind of really squash up. I, I imagine for the teachers and the staff, it was a night... Well, tricky. <laughs> tricky. Um, and something of that is happening in the life of every believer God has begun a good work in us maybe the the image of the school is is too small maybe we could go bigger and go for like a general hospital you know it's not like you can just scrap it level it completely and then start again no the, the hospital needs to keep functioning but 
it needs to be redeveloped. There are bits of the building that don't serve its purpose anymore. There are other areas that need to be changed. And, and so sometimes there's funny colour-coded arrows and you've got to follow a diversion around to try and get to the ward or the area you want to get to. You can be aware of just the inconvenience of it. But actually, there is a massive plan to redevelop. And that's what's happening in our lives by the Holy Spirit. Written over us, then, is work in progress. God is at work. The Holy Spirit is at work. He knows what needs uh, tackling. He knows what changes need to be uh, brought about. Um, so how else, what else is involved in, in living or walking by the Spirit? Cultivating fruit. We see these two lists. There's the, the list that describes all the acts of the, the sinful nature. The, the, uh, they're called obvious. They, just, they become apparent. There's all sorts of different things going on to do with uh, sexual immorality and uh, the sinful nature affecting relationships, the sinful nature affecting worship, idolatry and witchcraft, um, relationships between people affected by hatred and discord and so on, uh, and selfish ambition, envy, drunkenness and the like. Uh, a massive list. You, could, you get the impression you could just keep going. We could kind of keep going as well, probably, by just saying, what's, what's the, what are the obvious works of the sinful nature? But then he says uh, about the fruit of the Spirit. Again, we could get the impression that he could keep going. He mentions these, these nine, nine aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We can see there, can't we? The sinful nature and the spirit desire things that are contrary. The sinful nature leads us to selfish ambition. Holy Spirit leads us to gentleness, humility, and being considerate with, with others. They, they're leading in different directions. We see, actually, these fruit describe what the spirit himself is like. Not exhaustively. It doesn't say everything about the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say everything about God. But we know a God who is love. Joyful, the Prince of Peace, who's patient with us and kind and good, trustworthy, he's gentle with us. Jesus says, doesn't he, come to me, all you are weary. I'm gentle and humble in heart. Where there was uh, sexual indulgence and immorality in the first list, we see, well, self-control in the second. These are the these are the fruits that uh, the Holy Spirit is cultivating, bringing about in our lives. A broad range, covering every area of life. And, and they're fruits. They are the, the produce, the product of walking with God. You take, take a plum tree, plant it in the ground, and it will grow up. It will produce plums. Take a person and plant them into God, into the Holy Spirit. And these are the fruits that will come about in our lives. We all think, oh, fantastic. It's all, it's all automatic then, isn't it? I'll just get on with my life, choosing to do what I've planned to do. And the Holy Spirit can get on with his job, which is to work on these fruits. I'll not be concerned with that because it's bound to happen. Well, the Holy Spirit is committed to this 
reconstruction. He's committed to our lives. He's at work. He is patient. He is getting our attention. He's leading us into righteousness. But it requires our cooperation. That we too see the fruit and we agree that that's what we want to cultivate as well. So what else then does the does living by the Spirit involve? Well, if we're going to cultivate fruit, it's going to involve crucifying the flesh. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. So we have a fairly active part to play. We've, it's put in very stark terms. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature. And in many other places in the New Testament... Paul will speak of putting to death the misdeeds of the body. Putting to death what belongs to our earthly nature. Writes in, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 12. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it, For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. We do not have an obligation to the sinful nature, but an obligation to the Spirit. And by Him, He, the Holy Spirit of God, wants to help us put to death anything that really doesn't belong in his kingdom. We've seen that right here. We've seen that massive long list of, uh, of grim uh, acts of the sinful nature. Paul adds this, I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Here, that's a big long list of stuff that does not belong in God's kingdom. What is God building in us? He's building his kingdom. He wants his kingdom to be evident in our lives. He's preparing us for a wonderful, glorious, fully realized, heavenly kingdom that will be a place of love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness and so on. That's what he's preparing us for. That's what he is fitting us out for. So no, we're not, you don't have this obligation to the sinful nature to live according to it anymore. You've been purchased by God. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. He's kind of, t- he's taken ownership. He's you're under new management. That's what describes the believer. I don't know if you can go to a restaurant or a shop. Maybe you were familiar with it already. And you go in, you see the sign saying, under new management. And, and perhaps lots and lots of changes aren't obvious all at once. It's, there's a work in progress. Actually, some of the changes will be behind the scenes. There's a new manager. They have their own suppliers. They'll introduce their own uh, ways of working for the staff and so on. And, and it will work forward. Maybe, it will change. Maybe the decor will change eventually. Maybe the menu will be different or the things that are stocked on the shelf, will, that, they'll, they'll be changed there as well. It's not all obvious straight away. Again, that's what describes the life of the believer. Under new management, increasingly demonstrating then these fruits of of the spirit our problem can be when we still think that we have an obligation to our previous boss our previous master that 
He said, do it this way. And, and I always feel like I'm drawn. I ha- I have, I'm just going back to the old pattern of things, the old ways, the old supplies, the old decor, the old menu, the old products, the old ways of behaving. So no, 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 we've got a new boss. We, we have a new manager. He's far more hands-on. He's far more present and helpful. But if he says it stays, then it stays. And if he says it goes, it goes. If the old boss turns up and tries to act in charge, just simply say, I have, I have a new master, I have a new manager, I have a new, a new boss, and I'm part of his uh, group now, part of this different kingdom. Uh, a, a change has taken place. We're no longer obliged to, to obey the, the whims and desires of the flesh. What it means to walk with the Spirit is I can put that to death. It's not being blissfully unaware of any conflict at all. It's not experiencing a, temp- a temptation or a desire that doesn't match up with what we've just seen there from the kingdom of God. So actually, I can recognize it and by the Holy Spirit, I can put it to death. That belongs to the old me. Now maybe that all sounds a bit introspective. Is, is life in the Spirit just leading us to endlessly focus on uh, kind of inwardly what's going on and, and sometimes we become, we become more aware of the niggles and the things that aren't great than our progress. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes the Holy Spirit puts his finger on a new area of life. Oh, this bit hasn't been redeveloped yet. Right, okay Lord, I'm submitting to you. Is, is that all just a bit inward looking and introspective? What, what does life in the Spirit, walking by the Spirit also involve? Well, it's also a community project. I've seen that already. Paul, in writing to these believers, saying, look, you were called to be free, he says in chapter 5, verse 13, you were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbour as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. He's saying, walking by the Spirit is not just avoiding sin. It's not just looking inwards all the time. It's, it's recognizing that we're a community together. We could say, well, Francis Chan said, as I mentioned at the outset, I don't want my life to be explainable without reference to the Holy Spirit. And actually, we see... We want to say the same, but not just about me in my personal walk, that's true, but of our life, of, of this church, of, of what it means for us to be a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. It means that we as a community want to be growing in these fruits. Therefore, becoming holy is not about disappearing off the scene. It's not about just isolating ourselves and and not being connected at all. We might have an idea in mind, an image in mind of what a holy person really looks like. And we kind of think, oh, they're they're, they're set apart. They're by themselves. They've they've mastered all those internal urges. They're living as strangers and aliens of the world, and therefore they're having nothing to do with the world at all. And they're not involved in relationship at all. It's just a personal, private venture. Now, sometimes it can be easy 
to be holy just by ourselves because there's nothing to rub up against and we're called to grow in holiness as we as we live and do life together a people who are committed to each other and to and to being becoming more like Jesus that's that's where the where the label if you like comes from christian a little kind of insult or nickname that was given to believers in Antioch. Oh, they're just like little Jesuses running around all over the place. Well, that's what we're called to be. That's, that's, that's the community that we're called to be, a people who are more and more resembling Jesus. Now, so don't be surprised when the Holy Spirit comes and he puts a finger on an area of your life. You think, that's, our, that's the next thing to work on. Perhaps um, even in going through the list of the fruit, they kind of act like spiritual pointers. What about this one over here? Self-control. What about that one over there? Gentleness. What about that one over there? Uh, patience, or in some translations it would say forbearance. In love, putting up with people rather than devouring or biting. So if we want to be holy, we need to be living by the Holy Spirit, living with him, yielding our lives to him in the context of a loving community of people who are seeking to do the same thing. That's my desire for myself. I want my life to be explainable only with reference to the Holy Spirit for, this, for us as a church. That's, I pray that um, what God does amongst us, not just in terms of gifts and exploits, and mission, if you like, out there. Yes, all of that. But actually, in what we're like. What kind of people to walk in and say, yeah, there's a gift of prophecy, and also I'm, I'm seeing how you are. There's a, a world that is increasingly impatient all the way around us. And we're called to be like, like Jesus. A life that's only explainable with reference to the Holy Spirit. And like Robert Murray McShane uh, praying this, not in a, in a gloomy, disbelieving, despairing way, but with faith and with hope and with love and purpose. Lord, make me as holy as it is possible for a saved sinner to be. Let's, in, in exploring life by the Spirit, in exploring what it means to, to walk by the Spirit, let's not ignore the obvious and the obvious is he wants to make us more holy he wants to make us more like him he wants us to cooperate with him in that project even if it seems like sometimes life just becomes inconvenient there are little diversions there are things we can't do there are places we can't go it can feel like sometimes there are some restrictions we trust God I, I want what God has and I trust that the Holy Spirit is at work and I want to work out my salvation with his help in Jesus' name.